0: podcast 2.0. Oh, I am your host Wobby and it is an episode of the Wobcast 2.0 oh, that is tricky. It's a tricky Monday here in Vikings Nation and at the Wobcast 2.0. Oh. This episode follows a Vikings loss for the first time since week 5, everybody. Think about that. That's when they dropped the home game to the defending champion Kansas City Chiefs. The Vikings have not lost since October 8th so it's a weird tricky Monday morning feeling you can't help but feel disappointed right now as a Vikings fan and I can tell that's how the fan base feels it in a weird way though I think it's a good thing because it means you felt like you should have won and it's Mm -hmm. it's hard to win in the NFL so if you feel like you should have won then that means you feel like your team is good and who would have thunk that folks that you would have felt that way about your team, Vikings fans, after they stumbled out of the gates to the tune of a 1-4 and four start. What makes it even trickier this Monday uh, is that we bring in Giles, whose favorite day of the week is Monday. So I don't know, man. I'm I'm confused. It's tricky. I don't know how to feel. The Vikings lost the game. We all thought they could have won but it is Monday. You're here. You're positive and optimistic. I'm sure. So it, it's a tricky Monday morning guys. Plus I've been, I've been out for the last week. So, I mean, I'm, I'm a little discombobulated and I need you to help me out.
1: Yeah. Trying to get back to the right time zone. Right. Yes, exactly. Uh, I mean, honestly, this is such a tough game, uh, to recover from because on, on one hand we lost the game. We, we have an L on our scoreboard. You can't get that one back, unfortunately, yeah. but in the same token, we only lost by a point and we turned the ball over three times. Now, I know a lot of people will argue, uh, you know, at least the first uh, uh, fumble, like that, that should have been uh, turned back because that was a helmet to helmet penalty. Yep. But at the end of the day, it happened like you can't get that one back. Like you, that's not something you can control. Obviously, the, the, the refs can chat about that later, but we cannot get that one back. And we only lost by a point. Now, in my book, if you turn the ball over more than two times, you're going to lose the game. That's usually my rule of thumb. maybe you disagree. Yeah. But like three times, I would have guessed, oh, yeah, of course we lost. And in my opinion, if we were truly a bad team, we would have lost by way more. But because of those three turnovers, that only led to nine points. Now, I think that's a kind of a, 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 a kind of a commendation to the defense. But yes. I think when you look at it on the other side, had we not turned the ball over, that would have been potentially 21 points for the way that we were be able to move the ball. So I think this game wasn't as close as it maybe was perceived. Uh, but at the end of the day, when you turn the ball over, it's going to be bad. But we've turned the ball over 20 times this season. Oh, and the fact that terrible. we are still six and five shows like we're not that bad. We just need to hold on to the ball.
0: I agree with you, and you you said something a few weeks ago, Giles, where um, I, I don't remember the exact way you termed it, but you know you you were alluding to the fact that underneath the cover of a one and four record is probably a pretty good football team based on the way the games were being played and how, and then I, I sort of jumped onto that point and I was like silently I kind of felt like underneath the guise of a great record last year was a fairly flawed team. And Fair sort enough. of the yep. inverse was tr- has been true this year, yep. where under the guise of a mediocre record is probably a pretty damn good Vikings team. And mm-hmm. I even said it mid-game uh, last night to my wife and the kids were watching too before bedtime. I'm like, God, the Vikings are playing clean here for the most part. Um, they're playing really well. And the challenge of a prime time road game in Denver is not lost on me. I don't Mm -hmm. care that Russell Wilson has gone through a fairly, you know, relatively speaking, embarrassing stretch for his career the last two years in Denver. And that there's a little bit of egg on the face of Sean Payton when he called out um, the previous coaching staff for doing such a poor job, but then he got off to a poor start. Like that was a challenging game for the Vikings last night because Mm -hmm. Denver had won. I think three or four straight going into it. They have a good defense. It's a challenging environment in its own right. You're playing with Josh Dobbs instead of, like that was a big challenge and the Vikings handled it so well for the most part, save for what ended up being a three turnover game and then not playing very well in the last minute um, compared to how the Broncos played. So all of that to say it's a loss and losses hurt, but I in terms of what are the Vikings' prospects for getting to the postseason, I don't. I, I'm sure mathematically, from a number standpoint, Giles, there is some difference where it decreased from what it was pregame to what it was after the game. But in my mind, my mind's eye, they're the same caliber team and the same chances of making the playoffs. Win or lose that game, um, mm-hmm. I, I feel like they're still in good position to be in it, to win it with three weeks to go to try and make the playoffs.
1: Yep. Especially considering when you think that they thought they should have won the game, yeah, that, that right. chippiness will carry through for the next few weeks. Obviously we have the buy coming up, uh, in two weeks, but at the end of the day, I think, uh, if you're going to lose, I would have preferred to have lost that way. Cause then you still maintain your momentum versus being defeated or, you know, thinking you're not a good team. I think that is the right motivation that you need for this stretch in the NFL season.
0: Yep, and and we'll talk a little bit more in detail here in a few minutes uh, about the prospects for the playoffs, the NFC uh, standings, both mm-hmm. division and what, NFC North standings, and then the wild card standings. Uh, what needs to happen against the Bears? Uh, the mm-hmm. bye week coming up. JJ coming back or not? Temperature check on Dobbs. We'll talk about all that. But let's let's keep um, let's keep reacting here um, mm-hmm. uh, to to the Broncos game because I think there's more to unpack. Um, I want to talk coaching. I am sensing from commentary on social media platforms and conversations with others. I'm sensing a little KOC blame game happening. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious um, for your thoughts there. And from my own standpoint, I continue to be impressed and curious about the Vikings' defense, particularly Flores' impact. Um, Yep. Because I think what's happening on that side of the ball is impressive, and what makes it markedly more impressive to me than other sort of quick turnarounds is I think he's doing it with like really a couple of players that he probably really loves and believes in, and just Mm -hmm. think what he can do with a handful more. Which yep. he'll get next year if he stays. Oh, there. my goodness. So, yeah. Yeah. So the KOC thing to you, uh, your reaction there, and then we can talk about Flores as well.
1: Well, obviously, the KOC thing can be viewed from a few different lenses. Uh, I've seen quite a few different people critique him on his usage of the running backs, Uh, specifically Alexander Madison after he fumbled. Uh, A lot of people thought he should have been essentially ejected from the game, which it was a bad fumble. Don't get me wrong. He absolutely deserves blame for that. But a lot of people were saying, put only Ty Chandler in, take him out. And I think they obviously went into that game with a specific game plan. And I don't necessarily uh, like... I don't blame him for keeping both of those guys in. I think our run game was actually doing very, very well. We were at 4.9 yards per rush attempt. Uh, you just got to hold onto the ball. Now I think that's something that's going to be discussed in the locker room this upcoming uh, week. Maybe there's a different game plan going into uh, the bears game. Um, you know, uh, I think that there's definitely an opportunity for that, but I don't think you want to change that midstream and just severe reaction to fumbling. I mean, maybe you would disagree, but I think I'm okay with that. Um, I do think when you take a lens further up from just the run game, I think uh, there's a chance that Josh Dobbs is saving a lot of KOC's deficiencies. I think there's plays that were absolutely incorrect and not the right, right call. And Dobbs is saving it, uh, using his legs or using his yep. mobility to say, you know what, that play did not work, but we're going to go figure it out. I think it definitely yep. happened last week against the saints. Uh, and I think I saw it a few times here against the Broncos as well.
0: Yeah. I think you make a good point there Giles about the athleticism of Dobbs and you know the ability of players to especially quarterbacks to get the coach out of a bad spot. I think that can happen from a reactionary standpoint, which is what we're seeing with Dobbs. It can also happen from a preemptive standpoint, and that's I think where a lot of the greatness comes in on on the from the great ones, the the Peyton Mannings and Tom Brady's and Drew Brees's of the world, where they they get a play call or two calls from the coach uh, in the huddle, and they call it and they get to the line. And they don't necessarily just can a play and go to the alternative play. They might get, in, get you in another play altogether or another mm-hmm. protection altogether. And their experience, their intuition is... Allowing them to save the coach from a bad play. And you will hear a coach talk about that every now and then. Well, he'll say, I, you know what, uh, Peyton got us out of a bad play there. You know, I called two these two plays, neither one of them were gonna work. Peyton got us. And so that, that so so players can save coaches, you know. Mm-hmm. But where I was gonna go with the whole a lot of the hate I'm seeing on KOC is they can also do the opposite, where it's a great play call at the exact right time, but a player doesn't execute it. Mm-hmm. And then it looks like a bad play call at yep. the wrong time. Yeah, that's fair. And when I was, you know, we were on vacation last week and you run into all sorts of, of fans of different teams, right? And uh, we, we happen to be um, kind of spending some time with some Bills fans in a couple of different occasions. and. Now the Bills are coming off a pretty cool win against the Jets, so now they're happy. But bear in mind, this was a week ago where they weren't so happy because they've been losing some games, and they're just ripping Sean McDermott. Yeah. And I'm not saying that Sean McDermott is blameless in the Bills' sort of mediocre season to date. But you know, I said, you know, I and the Bills had played. I don't know. Did they play on a Thursday night or a Monday night? Right after the Broncos game. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm like, you know, I saw Gabe Davis drop a ball that got picked. I saw James Cook fumble on the first play of the game. I'm like, that's not Sean McDermott doing that. You know, so the Vikings players are, you know, Kevin O'Connell's not fumbling, you know, or throwing picks or missing tackles. So I think the criticism of O'Connell is fair, but it's going a, a little too far. I don't really blame him for too much here. I think for the most part, he does a good job. Um Actually, I'd say he does a great job with game plans and Mm -hmm. play designs. Mm -hmm. I think that's awesome. There are some occasions where I don't like what he does on fourth downs, Mm -hmm. where I think he should go for it, but he's too conservative. Or when he does go for it, I don't like his play call. So we can nitpick those, but I think the Vikings are in good shape with Kevin O'Connell. I think what you're dealing with here is underperformance at some key times by players and, and a turnover problem. Really, a turnover problem. And the fact that the Vikings are where they are and that we're talking about them the way we're talking about them after they have started 1-4 and and then lost Kirk Cousins is really an accommodation of the coaching staff and, in particular, Kevin O'Connell. So I don't think you should absolve O'Connell from all blame at at any time, but Mm -hmm. I think that they are where they are right now in large part because of the magic touch of Kevin O'Connell so far this season.
1: Yeah. Yep. hundred percent. I think, uh, when you break it down to brass tacks, he's only lost nine games as a head coach for the Minnesota Vikings. Sure. Yeah. And all of them, but two have been one score games.
0: Yeah. Okay. It's a great stat. Like,
1: you know, I yeah. mean, I mean, it is, it is a stat. I mean, a loss is a loss, but I think it shows even when he loses, it's usually not by very much. And yeah. really, I mean, although it's just a two-season sample size, nine games is relatively few. Like, he's had a very successful two seasons thus far with the Minnesota Vikings.
0: Absolutely, he has. Um, My last thing here uh, on sort of unpacking this loss to Denver, and then you you can throw in anything else that you want to react to or mention before we move on. Isn't it really incredible? And this is not new, especially for folks listening because they watch a lot of football, and so do you and I. But isn't it really crazy how the arc of a game – can change so dramatically on the last possession or two possessions. I oh mean, my goodness! Yeah. The Vikings just—I'm not going to say they had total command and control of the game because in in that sense they would have been winning by more than they were winning by. But mm-hmm. the Vikings were on the right side of that outcome for mm-hmm. 57 minutes. Mm-hmm. You know,
1: they had 100 yards more than the Broncos at the end of yeah. that.
0: And and then it's like. You just left the door open just just that much yep. for Sean Payton, who's won a Super Bowl, Russell Wilson, who's won a Super Bowl. You just leave it open just that much, and that's all guys like that need. And mm-hmm. they don't come through 100% of the time, but more times than, any, than not, they come through, and Russell Wilson came through. And yep. the scrambling was there. The buying time in the pocket was there. Pass rushers for the Vikings just weren't quite closing like they had been all game. Um, Wilson was really patient with the check downs to P Ryan on that final drive. And then the dagger is where Cortland Sutton just, you know, just out rebounds your defensive back and Wilson knows he's throwing to a six four receiver. Mm -hmm. Um, and he's been in that scenario before. I'm just, my mind goes back to the overtime NFC championship game where Wilson lofted one up, um, for his receiver over the green Bay Packers um it's like he just he knows when to take a calculated risk and throw a ball up for a receiver to go make a play so it's just crazy to me that the arc of a game changes when you get to that desperation time and the metal of wilson and peyton had has been tested so much and that came through last night unfortunately Mm -hmm. for the vikings
1: Yep. And I think they were really shining on both sides of the ball. If, if we're being completely real with ourselves, the Denver Broncos across the last four games have skyrocketed in terms of turnovers in their favor. Like they've okay. been able to force a tremendous amount of turnovers, which you have to believe the Minnesota Vikings were aware of that going into this game. And unfortunately it became true again, uh, after playing the Vikings. And, uh, you know, when you, when you mix, all those different facets about uh, uh, Russell Wilson and Sean Payton mixed with turnovers, it's going to be tough to be able to win a football game when those things happen.
0: Yep. Um, Anything you wanted to unpack or any notes you had from watching the game that we didn't get to yet?
1: Um, Lastly would be TJ Hawkinson. I'm seeing a lot of negative chatter around him um, considering his drop balls and that cannot be discounted. That is a big issue because those obviously could have won the game, but, shoulda would coulda uh i do think he did have a pretty phenomenal game on top of that though okay. i think he was very very good uh in the run and pass blocking game um obviously he dropped some balls and i think that's what makes airwaves but outside of that he's still a premier top tight end i think sometimes like you can have an amazing game but if you have one miss snap or one bad play people will just chastise you i think it's still important to note that we have two top 10 tight ends on the minnesota vikings yep. full stop
0: yep agreed and um Oliver, Josh Oliver, was on display a little more than usual last night, mm-hmm. huh? and Yep,
1: um, which takes targets away from TJ.
0: It does, yep. yep. Um, and we'll see. We're not going to get to the PFF grades here in this episode because they haven't been released yet as we're recording, um, you know, on a Monday morning after a Sunday night game. But um you know, I think that we've we've sh- we've had a positive light on Josh Oliver ever since the Vikings signed him, and
1: mm-hmm.
0: we have to make the case for that, Giles, in a couple of different ways because he's not a household name and he doesn't do things that are readily visible when you watch mm-hmm. football. You kind of got to take your eye off the ball to notice Josh Oliver, so to speak. Yep. But last night the camera was on him and he made some plays in a way that. The layman or the common fan can see. And I think that's good because he's been a valuable addition to the team. And I think he's a part of the solution going forward for the Vikings and seasons to come, you know, a handful of seasons. So um, I was happy to see him play well. Now he did have a holding penalty and he might have had some other mistakes in the game. But I thought um, a lot of fans saw Josh Oliver last night, maybe in a way they hadn't seen him before. And it might open their eyes to how valuable he is to the team. And I know that you're a big fan of him and you Mm -hmm. were when the Vikings signed him as well. Yep. Um, and I think, yeah, Yeah. go, go 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 ahead. ahead. Sorry. No, no, go ahead.
1: I think it just really speaks to the general offensive nature of our team and how many weapons we truly have, um, that just one or two snaps. And I think then we, we, uh, call out that a player is bad, but really we have maybe five or six premier weapons that I think a lot of other teams would try trading for. I think we are potentially one of the most lethal offenses when it comes to our roster. Like we, have a top five O-line. I mean, going into yesterday's game, we had the best pass blocking unit uh, offensive line in the entire NFL. We have the two top 10 uh, uh, tight ends. We, when Justin Jefferson comes back, he's the best wide receiver in football. I think Justin, uh, Jordan Addison rather, is quickly becoming a top 20 receiver. I think he has even higher aspirations than that. Like we have some pretty premier talent and I think it's it's really going to show that with a backup quarterback, we can still have a one score game with three turnovers aside. Like we're we're still a good team.
0: That, that's a good point. And I know I was going to move on to our next topic here, uh, but before we do that, you you reminding me of something else too, Giles, and I can sort of tie this back to the Brian Flores commentary that we had earlier. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, Brandon Powell. I mean, I know it's Jefferson's out, so there's opportunity. There's more opportunity than maybe he would have otherwise gotten, but with that opportunity, I think he's a guy who's sort of showing a little bit of flash. Mm -hmm. And that's a really good example of the value of a player who just fits your scheme or just knows your offense. So when the Vikings brought Brandon Powell in, like on on that day, and I don't Mm -hmm. even remember what day it was, but if at that time you would have taken a look at the market, there are probably, I would almost guarantee you, there were receivers available with a better track record, with more past production, who were faster, who were quicker, who were younger, whatever. Mm -hmm. But Kevin O'Connell knew that Brandon Powell knew the ins and outs and where the bones are buried and just little things. So yeah, you're not going to make Brandon Powell the marquee part of your offense, Mm -hmm. but he's a role player who really knows what you're trying to do. Mm -hmm. And, that's the type of signing I'm talking about, or the type of player I'm talking about. That next year, if Brian Flores is still here, is going to take the defense to another level. Is it's not signing? I don't know a big name free agent coming up next year, but um, it, it's T not Higgins. about who is it.
1: T. Higgins. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, oh
0: yeah, he is. But I'm talking about on defense. <laughs> yep. I'm talking about yeah, on yeah defense. oh yeah, like, yeah. You know, let's let's just say T.J. Watt was going to be a yep. free agent, right? It's like, of course, if you signed T.J. Watt, that'd be a big a big addition for your defense, but I'm saying Flores is going to go out and find a player he had in Miami or a player he had Mm -hmm. for a year in Pittsburgh who just really knows what he's trying to do. And you, you and I might not really know how good he is, but Flores knows he's perfect for this role. Mm -hmm. Like he's going to add players like that one or two like that. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm excited for about this defense more so than I am about how he's going to use Daniil Hunter or, you know, how good Byron (laughs) Murphy has been. Yep. It's more like the Brandon Powell type signings on defense that I think yep. are going to really be fun to watch uh, next year and during, during this upcoming offseason.
1: Especially when you could look at the comparison of last year. I mean, we were one of the worst defenses in the NFL, and yeah. now not in every category, but in some categories, we're a top five defense. Now, I would say in general, we're maybe fringe top 10. And maybe that's even being a little bit too liberal in that category. But if he can do that with essentially the same units and even like we lost a few guys in that same way, uh, like you're mentioning, I'm excited to see like, do we have one of the best defenses in the NFL after one more offseason? When you're thinking about a championship formula, if you can retain some of your guys, I mean, obviously on offense, uh, you know, uh, there's there's a lot of guys still coming back. If you can be one of the best defense in the NFL and have a top flying offense like that's an incredibly exciting note to to look at
0: yep it is for sure Um, okay uh, two quick things before we get into the Bears stuff that we want to get into. temperature check on Dobbs Um, where you know how how you feeling Um, I think to sort of set the stage for the discussion obviously it's a great story how can Mm -hmm. you not root for him and love the Mm -hmm. story right um and we're starting to see the networks do stories on him too so we're not just hearing you know from local media who are covering the vikings um as well as they do we're not just seeing them on tv on sundays but like you know nfl network's doing a piece on espn's doing a piece on right sunday night football did a piece them. so we're getting Mm -hmm. to know more about him uh they're showing his parents in the stands and you're, you're learning about his parents right so all that is great and his record previously to his Viking stint was awful. I think he was 1-9 as a starter before coming here, something like that. It was yeah, that sounds terrible. right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then he comes here and he just starts winning a bunch of games, and he, it's a little magic to it, and he's got mobility, and everyone loves to watch that. And um, So I, I just want to do a temperature check here. Like, Can you see Josh Dobbs? leading the Vikings to wins in December to get him into the playoffs and then being competitive against playoff teams in January? Or is this lightning in a bottle that sort of fades away after a, a month or two months? What? Where are you on? And you can be on a spectrum there. You don't have to be one end or the other. You, But on a spectrum, where are you there?
1: Yeah, so going into the Broncos game, I was just having this conversation with someone here internally. I said, this will be... Josh Dobbs' biggest test yet, because uh, a lot of people look at the Broncos and they they laughed at them, saying they were no good. And I think uh, you know across the first stretch of games in the NFL season this year, maybe that was maybe true. Uh, but in the last few games, they have become a sneaky really good team. And when you really try to pinpoint the one thing that the Broncos defense does very well. I mean in my opinion it's hands down being able to contain mobile quarterbacks right when yeah. they when they played Patrick Mahomes and they played Josh Allen they were able to contain those mobility or uh, contain that mobility very very well and I expected them to do that against Josh Jobs, especially for a team that hasn't necessarily quite learned how to use mobility yet. I think we've been able to squeak through and get some wins, and his talent has been able to, to get us into the W category. But we haven't necessarily learned how to game plan with that. It's been a savior. It hasn't been a part of the game plan, maybe. Sure, um, sure. So I actually went into that game saying, this will be a true test if he can actually slice and dice from the pocket. And I will say I was not as impressed as I think maybe some people were. That's not necessarily also meant to be an indictment. I don't think he was bad, but I think some people are looking at at him as a saving grace, and I think his mobility is definitely a thing that can help save us some games. But I think uh, when teams make us one-dimensional and don't allow him to go mobile, I think that's when things are going to start falling apart. So if the Vikings can learn how to game plan for that and learn how to maximize his mobility, I think we'll be just fine, and I think that we have a shot at actually going a deep into the playoffs this year, um, but if the Vikings cannot do that, I think that's where this thing will fall apart. I think this next next week will be a really good test. Now, after we've gotten our first loss with him at QB, Are, is there a, a dumpster fire game lying in wait? If so, then it maybe it's time to have a conversation about Jaron Hall. But I think it's still worth it to give him one more shot, or you know, a couple more weeks to see can we game plan around this because the Broncos maybe have the, the best unit in the NFL when it comes to playing contain against mobile quarterbacks. So unless we're playing the Broncos in the Super Bowl, I think we're going to be fine, but that's just my gut reaction.
0: Okay. Yeah. I'm fine with all that. I, I think that I would say the same thing I said about the Viking, this loss, it's impact on my brain's projection of the Vikings making the playoffs or not is almost yep. none. Like it, yep. it almost doesn't affect it. Now, if the Vikings would have won this game, in my mind, they're in the playoffs. Yep. I mean, I, I think they're in. Yeah, you know, because yep. seven and four, of course. I, I think that they would, I would project them to make it and I would feel pretty comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. Now they lost. So I don't, I'm not as equally sure that they're going to be out. In fact, I'm about at the same place as I was before the game started. Mm-hmm. That's where I am with Dobbs, too, though. I'm in the same place with Dobbs right now as I was 24 hours ago before that game was played. And the reason is he didn't look great or play well, and I'm guessing his PFF grade's bad, and anyone who watched the game is like, ugh, that wasn't great on Dobbs. But that challenge was significant last night. Mm -hmm. And we kind of, the Broncos are the butt of some jokes, or like they're kind of like a team that people don't really have much regard for right now, especially NFC People who are fans of NFC teams, like you, just don't look at the Bronx. But you and I know that was a challenge last night. It's always a challenge going to Denver, but Denver happens to be playing well and their defense is good. Mm -hmm. So to me, it's kind of like uh, that's what I expected. Like if Kirk Cousins would have played like that, I wouldn't have been surprised. You know, like that was hard. So so it's to me, it's a more telling challenge. It's the degree of difficulty is smaller this week against the Bears. Yep. But it's a more telling challenge to me than it was mm-hmm. last week against the Broncos because if we see pedestrian, if we see underperformance on yep. Monday night against the Bears from Dobbs, that's concerning. Yep. yep. That's concerning. You're at home. You've got an extra day to prepare. You, this should be a a more typical Kevin O'Connell's quarterback performance. I'm not asking for 325 and three touchdowns from Dobbs, but it should be one where you look good. And if you don't win, it's not because the quarterback. So Mm -hmm. I I am really in the middle on that spectrum on the scale on Dobbs. Like I, I don't think he's heating up. I don't think he's ice cold. I think he's in the middle, but I think the bears game is telling for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, It needs to be a pretty good game and a win for the Vikings. If it's not, I think you start sounding some alarms about Dobbs and you sort of cool the jets a little bit on the hype around
1: them. Yep. Yep. hundred percent. Yeah.
0: Um, the bye week
1: will be very helpful as well. Okay, Cause I think so, the
0: one common denominator is Justin Jefferson coming back. Well, that's, that's, that was the next one. When does JJ come back? Um, I, 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 thought Mike Tirico and Chris Collinsworth were talking about it in a, a pretty solid way where they were saying, Hey, you win this game. Maybe it, you wait, Wait another week. Uh, you don't need him so bad. But if you lose this game, you got to have him back next week against Chicago, right? I, and I think that no matter what, you don't. Pl- I, I don't think you play him against Chicago. Because, Especially with a player like that. Yep. I mean, he, he made a comment to Melissa Stark, I believe. And then Melissa Stark shared it on the broadcast where he said, I'm just not quite up to full speed and I don't have the stamina. Mm-hmm. And so to me, I'm like, well, don't play then. I mean, yep. you're not a left guard no. or a tight end. Like <laughs> yep. that's what you need. I mean, short yep. of your hands not being available, what more do you need than speed? <laughs> I mean, <if> you're <laughs> Justin Jefferson. So yep. or, and stamina. So yep. I think I think you absolutely sit him down on Monday. I think you even take it easy on the football activity here this mm. week. Uh, you know. um, and you just get him 100%, 100%, a full 100% healthy, not playing him against Chicago, by week the week after, and then you come back for that, that final stretch run, and, and he's full go. I think that is an absolute no-brainer decision. I will be very surprised if he plays on Monday night against the Bears. And if he does play against the Bears every snap, I think you're walking on eggshells wondering if he's going to pull up lame because he, he tweaked the hamstring.
1: And those are the type of injuries that linger like you yeah. do not want to turn this into another four or five week experience like that. You need him for playoffs. If you do intend to make it there, you can potentially survive another loss. Uh, if you do uh, put up an, an L against the Bears, uh, you cannot survive, in my opinion, trying to go deep in the playoffs without him. Like no. if you're trying to. Yeah, exactly. So uh, when you're looking at the upside and the downside of that decision, I think the downside is too great to want to risk it.
0: Yep. All right, so let's, let's cast our gaze forward here um, to the game against the Bears and, and the NFC playoff picture. Um, I think there were actually... I had one saving grace from this week's games for the Vikings' playoff chances, but I think there were actually two. Mm-hmm. Um, Cincinnati. What happened Thursday night to Cincinnati helps the Vikings' guiles. Um, they lost Joe Burrow mm-hmm so to me that game against Cincinnati becomes one where you circle it like you could probably win that game whereas mm. with Joe Burrow as I project and look forward that that would be a loss I'd be like they're gonna lose that game but I yep. think they're gonna win you know this this and that game so they to me Denver was one of those W games like probably got to win that game if you're going to turn this thing around and make it to the playoffs. Well, they lost it. So they lost one I thought they should have won. This Bengals game without Joe Burrow is one I think they can get. That's where they can get one back. They pick one Mm -hmm. up there. So that's one saving grace from this weekend. And then Seattle losing Giles is a saving grace for the Vikings from this weekend when it comes to the wild card picture. Um, Mm -hmm. That was a significant loss for – um, the NFC playoff picture because the Seahawks at seven and four um, with a what would then have been a six and one conference record they are mm-hmm. a shoe in to make the playoffs um, yep. and now they are not uh, they are on equal footing essentially with the Vikings um, from a win column standpoint so mm-hmm. um, those two things were big positive developments for the Vikings obviously Detroit pulling out the win the way they did sort of put a dagger maybe in not a dagger but you kind of wondered if the Vikings could sneak sneak into the division race had Detroit lost that game against Chicago yep I think that that Lions win uh, really really hurts but the Seattle loss is a more significant development and is positive for the Vikings so uh, let's yep. spin this thing forward now to the Bears game on Monday night that's who the Vikings will play they get an extra day here to prepare uh, for the Chicago Bears because they host the Chicago Bears on Monday night football this upcoming week a Bears team that is three and eight. Does have Justin Fields back, but is coming off a very ugly, disappointing, terrible loss. The way they lost mm-hmm. that game to the Lions is um, just sort of sums up what it's been like for the Chicago Bears the last couple of years. So uh, <laughs> the Bears come in wounded and reeling. Uh, the Vikings come in kind of disappointed in their loss, but um, optimistic. What do you expect from a game flow standpoint, Giles, in this game? Is there, any, is there a matchup or two that you particularly like or don't like? We've already talked about Jefferson and Dobbs. Obviously, we endorse Dobbs moving forward as the starter. We're not concerned there quite yet. Uh, We don't think Jefferson should play. Uh, So those two talkers aside, when you look at this Bears matchup, what are you looking at?
1: Yeah, well, uh, the first thing is that it's a home game. I think uh, the Minnesota Vikings have lost a few too many this year at home. And I think yeah. they're looking to, to reset that perception. So I do think that uh, them coming out uh, bold and beautiful at home, I think is, is definitely going to be a, a key point there. Um, but uh, secondly, like we talked about before, I think the Vikings coming off a, uh, uh, a should have been win, but a loss, they're going to come in chippy wanting to make a statement. Uh, so I do expect them coming in with a lot of energy, uh, both because of the placement and just the timing of the loss. Uh, but with that being said, when you look at all the other other things, um, I think uh, uh, I think uh, more, DJ Moore is going to be more of an issue because some of our injuries um, on, on defense, I, I really do. Maybe uh, maybe you disagree, but I think uh, this might be an air it out game for, uh, for the Bears uh, that we need to be cognizant of. Now, I'm really interested to see how much they blitz uh, Justin Fields, because I think a lot of different teams have tried different things on him. And I'm really excited to see what Brian Flores cooks up against him. Um, If if he blitzes way more or if they try to back off and run a different scheme.
0: Interesting. I would, I'm looking at their depth chart right now. Um, Mm -hmm. So on the question of the pressuring and blitzing, I would just be who you are. I would like, Brian Flores, just be who you are, especially at home. Like, yep. Fields' mobility is a thing for sure, but mm-hmm. there aren't very many quarterbacks where you say we're not going to worry about him moving around and getting out of the pocket. Like, it's 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 2023 in the NFL, man. I mean, a lot of quarterbacks you're worried about outside of the pocket fields more so than the average. But I think that wanting to contain the quarterback and being mindful of the escape skills is something that you would talk about almost every week. So I would Mm -hmm. come at fields the way I would come at any quarterback with this defense. If I was Brian Flores, Mm -hmm. that that's how I'd handle that. Um, You might have to spy him more than you'd spy others, but I mean, Russell Wilson has escapability too. I mean, I'm sure they talked about, Hey, we got to be mindful of Wilson escaping and buying time. He's been doing that for 10 years. Right. So, Mm -hmm. um, I would come at it. I'm not overly impressed with the bears offensive line. I don't think it's no. embarrassing, but yep. I, I don't think it's that good. Yeah. Um, and then um, the last point on their offense, DJ Moore is an issue. And mm-hmm. when it comes to offensive skill players, especially wide receivers and running backs, styles, when, so like Julio, uh, Julio Jones could play in the slot. So that's not a great example. Um, Trying to think of someone who's just like especially great outside or okay, Julian Edelman. Especially yes. great in the slot. Okay. Yep. So Julian Edelman as a slot receiver in the NFL is a 10 out of 10. Like huge mm-hmm. problem, huge, huge issue, hard to guard. In a way, though, I'd rather deal with someone who's a 10 out of 10 difficult like skill, like like Edelman was in the slot or Randy Moss was on the outside. Mm-hmm. Than someone who's maybe an eight out of ten, but you never know where the hell they're going to line up. That's fair, yeah. Okay, you at least know what to predict. Yes, so like Debo Samuel, that that's a problem, man, because he's mm-hmm. out wide, he's in the slot, he's in the backfield. You know, mm-hmm. um, easy to get confused. Yeah, so I'd almost rather like there was a point in time where Derrick Henry was definitely the best running back in the NFL. Christian McCaffrey was sort of a young up and comer, but it's like I'd rather play against Derrick Henry because I know they're running between the tackles with him right so mm-hmm. we might get overpowered and and outman, but we know what's coming Christian McCaffrey you have no idea what they're doing they might I mean he's in the slot he's in the backfield they're direct snapping to him he's out wide I mean so DJ Moore is an issue um, because he's versatile they do a lot of different things with him and he's coming off a really good game so I'm concerned about that Giles uh, for sure I'm defensively, though, looking at the Bears defense, they made an acquisition at the trade deadline for, an, uh, for Montez Sweat. He's a problem. Mm-hmm. He's a really good player. Um, yes. So I don't love that. I think their linebackers have been a little disappointing. Um, I, I remember back to when we did our roster breakdowns every position. I was really high on the Bears linebackers, but I don't think they've been as great as I thought they were going to be. So I think mm-hmm. there's opportunity here for the Vikings offense against this defense. Against mm-hmm. this Bears defense, um, so long as Montez Sweat does not ruin the game, they also have yep. um, um, Ngakwe. Um, so I think you got to be somewhat mindful of him. And the Vikings are obviously familiar with Ngakwe because he he was a Viking for a, a cup of coffee. So um, those are a couple of just off off the cuff things that I think about. Um, this is absolutely a winnable game for the Vikings. A game they must win. They're they're going to be favored in the game, and. Um, you know, I think that the building will be will be buzzing. I think the building mm-hmm. will be a really fun atmosphere and good environment. So, I'm expecting them to win. They should win the game. I'm not saying it's a blowout or handily or anything like that. But, um, you know, a loss here would really bring bring you back down to earth when it comes mm-hmm. to, to Vikings Nation. You know what I mean? Yep.
1: Well, and considering what they were able to do against the Lions, I don't think that we should just be passing off the Bears as like, oh, this is an easy win. This will definitely be a formidable uh, uh, challenge on Sunday. Um, And I think, you know, uh, based on my other comments earlier, I do expect this to be a game that's won and lost through the air, uh, because when we played them the first time, our run game was pretty abysmal. Like we did not do very well uh, with either Alexander Madison or Cam Akers for that matter. Um, Cam Akers didn't have a ton of snaps. Uh, albeit that. Uh, but now obviously Cam Akers is out uh, for the season. So I'm, I'm really thinking we're going to struggle against the run here or uh, struggle running the ball. Yeah. Um, I do think the offensive line will do well in pass protection against these guys. I think that was one of our biggest uh, points of success when we played them last time. So I expect that to continue, uh, but I do expect this to be a TG Hawkinson, Jordan Addison day, uh, maybe getting brand Paul a little more involved. So um, I do expect this to be not necessarily a shootout, but I do think this will be an air game for sure.
0: Yeah. Um, I don't disagree with you. Now the Vikings had success running the ball um, this, this past game against Denver. This right? is true. Yeah. Um, but I think, Denver, Denver's awful um, against the run. Yeah, the yep. Bears, one of the worst. Yep, they are one of the worst. The Bears, to your point, are very good against the run. So I'm totally on your side of the ledger here when it comes to game flow. This is Plus you're at home, mm-hmm. right? So when it comes to pass protection, much easier to do it at home than it is on the road. This mm-hmm. is definitely, even without Jefferson, a ball is in the air, type of game for the offense and the run game and the use of the running the run game is a change of pace and you do it to keep them honest but the running back utilization here is is in the passing game um Mm -hmm. not in the running game i wouldn't abandon it but i would not count on much at all yeah the bears are going to sit there and say we're really good against the run we're not going to let them run we're going to yep. make Josh Dobbs beat us. If Josh Dobbs beats us, so be it. You know, kudos to you guys. That's what they're saying, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. So, you got to know that and kind of take what they're going to try and give you or be okay with giving you and they're going to be okay with giving the Vikings five and seven step drops and seeing if receivers can get open and if Dobbs can be accurate. So, I do expect mm-hmm. to see that. Yep. Um, the Bears I think will be a little more balanced, but I think the Bears path to victory here is Justin Fields and DJ Moore just being athletes Mm -hmm. and just being better than people who are trying to guard them. I'm not trying to give the Bears no chance here, even though it kind of sounds like it, but the Vikings really impressed me with the five-game winning streak. The Mm -hmm. defense has come on, and Dobbs at home should look a lot better than he did against the Broncos on the road. Mm -hmm. So I really expect a, a a really good looking performance from the Vikings on Monday night. Um,
1: I think if I'm putting a prediction to it, um, I do expect the Vikings to come out victorious. Um, I do think it'll be closer than maybe people think it should be. I'm guessing it's maybe a a 24 to 16 win for the Vikings. Um, But still, like I I don't think we're just going to completely run over them uh,
0: either. If that makes sense. It does make sense. my prediction is that I have written down. It it does look like the Vikings ran them over. It's yep. cause what what I wrote down was twenty seven to thirteen. Okay. But but to me it's it's like it's twenty to thirteen and then they score late type of fair thing, enough. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um. So I and then looking at the standings, if you're seven and five going into the bye, which you would be if you win. Mm-hmm. Um, you're in pretty good shape. You're in very good shape. A lot yeah. of teams would would pay to have that record. Yep, the NFC South is a non-factor if the Vikings win on Monday night uh, because mm-hmm. they're going to get a division winner in there. Right now, it's the Saints with the Saints are five and five right now, but the Falcons and Bucks only have four wins, so mm-hmm. the Vikings get to seven. Uh, the MC South a non-factor the rest of the way. Yep. The Rams, even with that win against Seattle, they only have four wins. You know, the yep. Cardinals have two. So you're dealing with Seattle, um, who's got six wins just like the Vikings. You're dealing with no one in the South, no one else in the West, and the Commanders only have four wins. So, yep. I mean, the, that's why this loss to Denver didn't really hurt the Vikings' chances in my mind. If anything, it's just opportunity lost. Right. Because mm-hmm. if you had won that game, I think you'd have it locked up. But I almost think you're almost a shoe in here if you beat the Bears. So yeah. I really expect the Vikings to come out firing and looking good on Monday night. And a loss to the Bears would just bring everything crashing back down to earth. And I still think they are got a shot to make the playoffs. But I think from a morale standpoint, it would just, for the fan base, it would just be like, oh my gosh, here we go again type thing. Mm-hmm. No. Yep, um, 100%. If the Vikings had gotten into position, Giles, for a field goal last night, mm-hmm. a 45-yard field goal, let's say, yep. or a 42 or 43-yard field goal, how what would have been your confidence level?
1: In the the Vikings actually hitting the field goal, yeah, or if we would have gotten the field. the field goal?
0: Yeah. Um and Greg Joseph?
1: My gut reaction would have been that I was confident. Now it is outside in the mile high stadium, so I think that confidence is maybe misplaced. But uh I don't know. What do you think?
0: I don't feel great about it.
1: Okay. Make a change?
0: I don't think you can. In the off season? Yes, in the off season, yes. And a lot of times when you make us, you know, if you're in the content creating business and you make a stand like this against someone it comes back to bite you. And I'd be happy to to take one in the, on the chin here, but I don't love it, man. And I was thinking about that while I was watching the Vikings final drive, thinking like, God, if they get in position here, how, what would I, what would you bet on a make or a miss? I don't think his percentage is very good from beyond 40 yards. It's this not season. Yeah. So, I was just curious what how you would feel about that because, you know, you get into December football and the games that matter and into the playoffs. I mean, the kicking game, I mean, it it's going to decide decide your fate more times uh, than not. So that's, just, that's very just, true. Just curious what you thought or how, how you felt about that. And I don't know if there's much you can do about it. Now, there's a lot of teams
1: that have really poor kicking games. And unfortunately, there's not a clear alternative to, um, to up that game. Now, if you... Yeah. I hate to say it this way but if you stumble into a cook, good kicking game you can you can bask in the glory and hold on to it but it's hard to really upgrade it uh yeah. i mean there's a lot of teams that struggle with that um and i also think i maybe struggle with maybe being an internal optimist because when you're in that position uh obviously you need to score to win right um and instead of trying to analyze, do I think it will or will not happen? My thought was, well, that may be the only route to winning. So let's get into field goal range and let's go. uh, And let's just let the cards fall where they may, because that's the only route to win. And that's just how I look at life a lot is like, all right, what do we need to do to win? And sometimes you're going to have to rely on a little bit of luck to make this work. And that was my thought, the only way we could win against the, the Broncos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting.
0: Um. All right. Well, when it comes to the schedule for the Vikings, we've talked about it. Uh, they have the Bears on Monday night, and then they have the bye after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, from there, though, Giles, uh, you can't help but look at it optimistically for, for Minnesota with a game in Vegas and a game in Cincinnati uh, mm-hmm. immediately following the bye. So, um, you know, when you look at stretches of the season and you try and, figure out if that's a softer stretch or a tougher stretch, more difficult one. And after the Vikings started one and four, you knew you had to rip off a bunch of wins uh, to recover from that and sort of offset Mm -hmm. it. And the Vikings have done that. And worst case scenario of looking at it, you know, they've got it back to equal, but I really think they've done more than that. I think that those five wins really got them on the right side of the ledger. And I think this game on Monday night against the bears is a huge opportunity for them to almost enter shoe-in category. But Mm -hmm. even after that, they have a bye week, which will allow other teams in the NFC a chance to catch up in the win column Mm -hmm. uh, with wins. But after that, uh, they have very winnable games against the Raiders and Bengals uh, before Mm -hmm. they have that gauntlet at the end of um, Detroit at home, Green Bay at home, and then at Detroit to finish the season. Mm -hmm. So it should be a lot of fun. Uh, you and I, I think, are aligned here on our expectations for Monday night. But anything you wanted to get to here before we wrap it up?
1: Um, last thing I think I'll think of uh, as we're approaching the the uh, the bye week is that the Raiders are maybe uh – a lot better than people think they are. I think okay. if, since firing their coach, I think there's a little bit of a resurgence. So I think there's uh, kind of a, an importance that you need to circle on your calendar there. It's a winnable game, but it doesn't mean that it's necessarily easy. So I think uh, I think we need to prep ourselves in terms of some of the, the difficulty of these next few games. Uh, but at the end of the day, we're still a really great team. Every loss that we've incurred has been close. And that has been, in my opinion, directly uh, related to pretty high turnover so if you're able to have those those turnovers and still keep it close uh the rest of this season i think you still got a shot
0: right awesome uh we didn't get to the pff grades because they haven't been released yet but um we may have um a few things to say with those on the on our social media accounts um so stay tuned to that right Mm guys um we can can post those grades uh once pff releases them so that's gonna do it though for this episode of the Wobcast 2.0 Vikings and Bears on Monday night from U.S. Bank Stadium. So enjoy the rest of the week, everyone, and enjoy that game on Monday night. Make sure you like, follow, subscribe to the Wabcast 2.0, wherever you follow all of your other favorite podcasts and football content. You can do that on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and, of course, on YouTube. On behalf of Giles, my co-host and partner, this is Wabi signing off for now. But until next time, Skull Vikings.